you open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 2. Our sermon title this morning is The Purpose of Discipleship. That's contrary to the title you see on your sermon outline there in your bulletin. Unless you want me to preach that sermon I did last week again, uh, I could do that, but uh, I thought it might be better for us to keep moving forward in our sermon series. So discipleship uh, is what our message is about this morning. When you hear the word discipleship, what images come to mind? Uh, Maybe for some of you, you think of... uh, a classroom setting, you know, with an instructor, and you got a workbook or you got the Bible, and and you think discipleship is about teaching, uh, and it's about uh, uh, instruction. Now, that's an aspect of discipleship, uh, to be sure, uh, learning and studying. But discipleship encompasses encompasses so much more uh, than just that. Uh, a good a good definition of discipleship would be this: equipping believers to become more like Christ, equipping believers to become more like Christ. We as churches need to be more intentional about this, equipping folks to to grow in their faith. Now, in a lot of churches, we have a heavier emphasis on evangelism than we do discipleship. If we pick up the New Testament theme of, of being fishers of men for evangelism, what we see more oftentimes in churches is catch and release. Let's catch them, and then let's just release them into the world and say, okay, now you're a Christian. Good luck. And we're not about catching and about training and teaching and and instructing and being intentional to tell folks what it means to be a Christian and what does God expect of you as a believer and, and what can you expect now that you are a Christian in this world. Now, discipleship, there are some aspects to it that the church has responsibilities for. There are some things that you as an individual have a responsibility. And then there are some things that we rely solely upon God to do in our lives, to grow us, to become more like Jesus. It's important, I believe, as believers to learn what a Christian life is and to grow in Christ's likeness. So as a church, we must make it a priority, like the early church did, to equip believers to grow through intentional discipleship. doesn't happen by accident or just by circumstance. It comes when we intentionally instruct and lead others and disciple them to become more like Christ. I want to invite you to stand, if you are able to, this morning. In reverence for the reading of God's holy word, I'll be reading from Acts chapter 2 in verse 42. Here Luke writes these words in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he says, They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we come before you on this Father's Day, looking at this message on discipleship, Lord, it's an appropriate time to focus on this subject, because Lord, discipleship begins in the home, as fathers and mothers, as grandparents, instruct the younger generation what it means to be a Christian, what it means to grow in Christ-likeness. 
Father, it's a message that is appropriate for the home and also for the church because we as Christians have an obligation uh, to train up believers to mature in their faith. So mighty God, I pray you would speak to us through this time in the Word together. If there is anyone within the sound of my voice that has never trusted in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Father, I pray that they would repent and believe in the good news of Jesus Christ. That He died for sinners and that He rose again to give victory and life. Discipleship begins the moment that we are saved. And for some, it might be the first step they take in that process today. But Lord, even the believer that's walked with you for many, many years, there's always room to grow. And I pray this message will apply to them as well. Lord, speak to us as we open up our hearts to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We've been looking the last several weeks at the purposes of the church we have drawn from Scripture what I believe to be our mission statement here at the church. And just by way of review, our mission statement is this. We at Ephesus Baptist Church exist to glorify God by obeying the great commandments and fulfilling the great commission in Winchester, Kentucky and throughout the world. We glorify God. It's why we're here. We do that by obeying the great commandments to love the Lord our God love our hearts, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. And by spreading the gospel, the good news, and making disciples, Jesus said, not just winning converts, but making disciples by baptizing them into the fellowship and teaching them to observe all Christ commanded. And we are to do this locally and throughout the world. That's our mission. That's what we are to be about here at Ephesus. And in order to fulfill that mission, we look at the early church as kind of the blueprint, the model in the book of Acts. And we see the things that they were able to accomplish by God's grace. And we look at that and say, wow, we would love to do that as well. We would love to see thousands saved and lives changed. And how would we do that? How can we do that? And we look at what the early church was focusing on, the things they made a priority we saw prayer and evangelism. And now today we are looking at discipleship. The first thing that we notice in chapter 2, verse 42, is we need to be equipped by leadership. By leadership. We see the responsibility, the obligation of spiritual leaders is to train other believers. Verse 42 says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching the spiritual leaders of the church, they were teaching the people. They were instructing. They were giving doctrine. And the church was continually devoting themselves to that. So there's the obligation that, that we as spiritual leaders have to teach. There's the obligation that the congregation has to listen and to learn and to be devoted to that. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, God has given the gift of apostles and teachers and pastors for the instruction, the training up for the church to do the work of the ministry. So there is a responsibility to teach and instruct. There's a responsibility to learn and to serve. 
book of Hebrews says in chapter 13, verse 17, to submit to those who have authority in the church because they give an account to God for your instruction. So as a pastor and as other teachers and leaders in the church, we will one day have to give an account to God for how we have led. And so with that in mind, we teach and we instruct and we guide and we inform and we model so that the church can become more like Christ. Discipleship. Be equipped by leadership. Secondly, be equipped by grace. It's by grace. Supernaturally, chapter 4, verse 33, it says, And with great power the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And so the apostles were, were teaching and were instructing and were giving lessons and were modeling what Christianity was all about. And it says that abundant grace was upon them all. And so for us to become more like Christ, there is, there is more involved than just human effort. It's a supernatural process. We, we call it sanctification. It's God working in our lives, chiseling away the things that should not be there, and God molding and God shaping you as an individual Christian to become a, a, a reflection of Christ in your life, in your words, in your attitude. It is a lifelong process by which God, by His grace, works on you supernaturally. And so the church has responsibility. You have a responsibility, but there are things that only God can do as we yield to Him. So be equipped by God's grace. And notice chapter 4, verse 33, it says, An abundant grace was upon them all. It wasn't just God's grace on the apostles. It was on God's grace. It was God's grace upon all of the church members as he was conforming them to Christ. Be equipped by grace. Thirdly, be equipped daily. Daily. Chapter 5, verse 42 gives us this summary. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. This wasn't just one hour one day a week that discipleship was happening. It was every day. It was in a, in a public setting in, in the temple and it was in a, a private setting. It says from house to house. This was going on in, in, the, in, in, the, in the regular gathering in the service times and it was going on every day. It was going on from house to house. They kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. And so if we are to become more like Christ, it involves us gathering with other believers and, and having formal training. But it's also the informal moments, the day-to-day -day moments as we share life together. It takes efforts and it takes desire to want to do these things, to want to be discipled. Be equipped daily. Be equipped by prayer by prayer chapter 9 verse 10 after we read about the apostle Paul who was known as Saul at this time in his life when he was blinded on the road to Damascus we read about a disciple in chapter 9 verse 10 named Ananias and it says that he was a disciple the Lord said to him in a vision Ananias and he said to him here I am Lord and God begins to give him instruction. I want you to go and find Saul. 
and I want you to disciple him. And Ananias says, uh, God, don't you know who this man named Saul is? He is a threat to the church. But Ananias was a disciple who, in prayer, not only was communicating to God, but received direction from God. And so it is through those times in prayer that God begins to shape us and direct us and mold us. And we have the responsibility not only to speak to God, but to also listen to God. It's hard for some of us to do because we all want to, we want to dump all of our problems on God and, and that's what we think prayer is all about. That's just one aspect, one component. It is through prayer that we are discipled by God as He gives us instruction. And sometimes God, like He did Ananias, instructs us to do things we might not necessarily want to do or things that we don't think we can do. But true discipleship is growing through our trust and our faith. And it is through those moments of prayer that God equips us. Be equipped by prayer. Be equipped to encourage. To encourage. Chapter 11, verse 21 through 24, we read this account of a man named Barnabas. Barnabas was a man who was an encourager. Son of encouragement is what his name literally means. He was given that nickname because of, of the kind of guy he was. His character, his encouragement. Verse 21 says, The hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. The news about them reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. And so in Jerusalem, they hear about this great awakening happening in this, in this city called Antioch. And they say, People are getting saved, and we, we here in Jerusalem at, at the church, we, we want to hear what's going on there, and we want, to, we want to lend our support to what God is doing there. And we're going to send them, we're going to send them Barnabas, because if there is anybody that can bless them and encourage them, it's this fellow named Barnabas. So they sent Barnabas to Antioch, and it says, verse 23, when he arrived, he witnessed the grace of God, and he rejoiced. And he began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. It says, For he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. You see, Barnabas used this gift of encouragement to take these new Christians and to persuade them and to challenge them to stay committed to the pathway of following Jesus. It's a spiritual gift. I really believe it is. Some folks have it. Uh, Miss Linda White, I brag on her every chance I get because she encourages me. She blesses me. She will, will hug on me and, and, and shake my hand and she will give me words of encouragement in person and she'll get on the computer and send me messages and it's such a blessing. It really is. Because I've heard people say this statistic, it takes eight words of encouragement in your life to offset one word of negativity that someone may give you. We, we, we tend to focus so much on that one negative word that we receive that it said it takes eight words of encouragement to offset that. And so with that in mind, we ought to be folks that are constantly encouraging others in their Christian walk. 
And, and, and be sincere about it. Be sincere. If you see someone doing something that, that, that blesses you, let them know. If you hear about uh, someone doing something in the church or for someone, let them know. Encourage them because what encouragement does, it adds fuel to the Christian fire. And we will, we will know, first of all, God knows what we do, even if nobody else realizes it. But when someone encourages you, it really is a source of inspiration for us to continue. We don't do what we do for the sake of praise. But when we see someone doing something that's praiseworthy, let's bless them. Let's encourage them. Barnabas was that kind of fellow. And because of guys and gals like that in the church, disciples are encouraged to continue on in their discipleship. So be equipped to encourage be equipped to imitate Christ because ultimately that's what discipleship is about, isn't it? To imitate Christ. Paul even says that in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, be imitators of God as beloved children. In Corinthians, he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's the goal, to become more like Jesus. Acts chapter 11, verse 26 it says the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. The word Christian means little Christ. It initially started out as a derogatory term. At least I believe that's what people meant it for. But the church embraced that. <laughs> Call me little Christ all you want because that's a, that's a compliment. Someone says you are like Jesus. Someone can see Christ in your life. That's a compliment. And so as we are being equipped, we ought to look at Jesus as the model that we want to become like. We see men and women in the church and we say, wow, you know, I would love to, to have faith like they do. But that's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is as they are striving to be like Jesus, we follow in those footsteps and be equipped imitate Christ as well number seven be equipped to persevere to persevere we've looked at several times already the book of Acts the Christians were challenged they were threatened they were persecuted and there will be opposition as we share the gospel the enemy doesn't like that he's threatened and he will do everything he can to keep us from sharing the gospel but also he doesn't want to see us or others mature in the faith. He's going to do everything he can to hinder and stop discipleship from taking place. And so we as a church, we as Christians, need to be equipped to persevere in the Christian walk. Chapter 13, verse 48. It says, When the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. As many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was being spread through the whole region, but the Jews incited the devout women of prominence and the leading men of the city and instigated a persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust of their feet 
in protest against them, against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were continually filled with joy with the Holy Spirit in spite of the opposition. Sometimes I think the opposition is a sign that we're on the right track. So while we might not like to be persecuted and challenged, I think sometimes it ought to lead us to be like the disciples, filled with joy. Because if there is no persecution in your life, the enemy does not see you as a threat, then you're not moving and becoming more like Christ in your spiritual walk. We should expect opposition. And if it's not there, you're not a threat to the enemy. And so take it as a good thing. Take it as a positive and rely on God to overcome the opposition that you are facing. Be equipped to persevere. Jesus equipped his disciples and said to them, in this world you will have trouble. He didn't tell them not to expect any problems. In this world you will have tribulation. But take heart, he said, for I have overcome the world. The battle is won. And so we have got to persevere. Be equipped to face that opposition. Number eight, be equipped by mentors. By mentors. We read in chapter 16 about the Apostle Paul and this young man named Timothy. It said, Paul also came to Derbe and to Lystra, and a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who's, who was a believer. But his father was a Greek, and he was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted this man to go with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those parts, for they all knew his father was a Greek. Now, while they were passing through the cities, they were delivering the decrees which had been decided upon by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem for them to observe. So the churches were being strengthened in the faith. We're increasing in number daily. Paul, as he was doing this, as he was going about the ministry, he took Timothy along with him. Why did he do that? So he could invest his life into Timothy because he understood there was going to be a day and time where Paul maybe would not be around anymore. And so Timothy was being trained and equipped so that he in turn could, could take up that torch that mantle so that Timothy could then in turn train other disciples and mentor them that's what Jesus did with the disciples isn't it? that's what he did with the apostles Jesus invested himself into the lives of 12 men so that when he was gone they could invest their lives into others who in turn could invest their lives into others and ladies and gentlemen here we are 2,000 years later because disciples have made disciples who have made disciples and here we are and now what are we to do? Make disciples. That happened by mentorship. Jesus did that with the twelve. Paul here was doing that with Timothy. Who are you discipling? Who are you mentoring? Who are you looking up to as a, as a mentor? I've been in places in my life where I, I've done both. I, I have looked to others and I still 
to this day look to others as a mentor in the faith who are you looking up to as a mentor and there are times where I am mentoring others I am training and equipping others who are you investing in who are you intentionally taking under your wing? Because that's where true discipleship takes place. It's not just in a classroom setting. It's in, it's in the world. It's in, it's in the day-to-day routines of life. We have, as I said, godly men and women in this church that we can look to as examples. And we ought to be training the next generation of leaders to one day take our place. Mentorship. Mature Christians taking newer or weaker Christians under their wing and investing in them. I believe it is the most effective form of discipleship there is. Because it's the form Jesus used to grow the church and turn the world upside down. Be equipped by mentors. Number nine, be equipped through study. As I said, it's more than just study, but discipleship does include study. Chapter 17, verses 10 through 12. It says, The brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. Or as my papa used to say, Berea. <laughs> You'd ask him, Papa, where's that guy from? Oh, he's down there near Berea. So I can't, I can't read, I can't read Berea without thinking about my papa. God bless his soul. Um, and sent Silas and Paul away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went to the synagogue of the Jews. Now these men were more, more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, along with a number of prominent Greek women and men. Now, there was the disciples. They were delivering the word. So the word was received, first of all. And then the scriptures were examined daily to see if these things were so. I think there is a wonderful model for discipleship in the church. You have got teachers and instructors and preachers delivering the word. And then you've got the church examining the scripture to see whether these things were so or not not just taking it at face value just because a a man stands behind a pulpit with a suit on saying something authoritatively does not necessarily make it true just because somebody is on the TV or or on the radio saying something doesn't necessarily make it correct how do you know if it's true or not How do you know if it's right or if it's false? The only way you know is for you yourself to take up this book and examine it daily. And if it matches up with what this book says, listen to them. Follow what they say. And if it don't measure up, it's garbage. So I challenge you. Take my messages compare them to this book just because I'm educated or experienced doesn't mean I'm infallible but this word is it's the supreme measuring stick 
And so examine the Scriptures daily. Examination happens of the Scriptures in a, in a programmatic way. It happens in a, in a prescribed way here at the church, in Sunday school, Sunday nights, and these types of things. But don't just do it at church. Do it at home. Open up the Scripture at home. And listen to what God has to say. Be equipped through study. As you receive the Word from teachers, examine the Scriptures on your own. That was the model of the Berean church. It says they were noble-minded. And many of them believed. And the Lord was able to reach other souls. Be equipped through study. Finally, be equipped by correction. By correction. We have an account in chapter 18, verse 24. It says there was a, a Jew named Apollos. He was an Alexandrian man by birth, an eloquent man. He came to Ephesus, which is, by the way, where our church received its name from. It is so funny to go out into the world and hear people try to pronounce the name of our church or the name of the road. And I know automatically whether or not the person is, is, is a student of the Bible or not if they can pronounce the name of our church. And uh, I'm always impressed when people can do it correctly. Ephesus. He came to Ephesus, and it says he was mighty in the Scriptures. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord. Being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus, being equated only with the baptism of John. He began to speak out boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And I like the way that that is put. Because it says, they heard him saying things that were true, but not all the way true. They, he was acquainted with the baptism of John, but not yet with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And so they understood we need to instruct this man, but we need to do it in the, in the right manner. We don't want to embarrass him. Let's take him to the side and instruct him in the right spirit, in the right attitude. And then here Apollos was, instead of being bitter and upset and defensive, he received the correction and was a more effective teacher because of it. And so we have to correct others in a proper spirit. And there are times when you and I need to receive correction and we need to receive it in the proper spirit. Because that's what discipleship is about. None of us are always right. Some of you, it may be a, a, an eye-opening statement, but none of us are always right. There are times when we're wrong. There are times you need to be corrected. And sometimes God uses other Christians, sometimes God uses the church to correct you. And when you're wrong, you need to receive the correction in the right attitude, in the right spirit, and not be bitter. None of us like to be corrected, but we need it. 
And that's one of the practical benefits of church membership. Is that you are saying, I am accountable to this group of believers to keep me on the right path. And I am accountable to these group of believers to keep them on the right path. You see, church is more than just what you get out of it. Church is what you bring to it as well. And we correct one another. And we guide one another. We disciple one another. Like the early church did. Be equipped by correction. Positive criticism in the right spirit and received in the right spirit is a powerful thing. Discipleship. Let's think about, as we looked at discipleship in the early church, discipleship here at Ephesus. Well, we know we are equipped by classes. We have Sunday school. I'm a huge proponent of Sunday school if you haven't picked up on that yet. Uh, This morning we had 52 today, 53 last week. Sunday school is moving in the right direction. We have got some awesome teachers, men and women who have been called by God to teach and lead. And they are praying for and preparing lessons. I encourage you, be involved in Sunday school. It will help you to become a sharper disciple of Jesus Christ. It's a powerful tool. Take advantage of it. Learn from it. You will, you will be blessed. We have Bible study, Sunday nights, other opportunities. We are equipped by classes, equipped by conferences. From time to time, we will, we will attend conferences, whether it's a Sunday school conference or a youth conference or whatever it is. And we can be trained and equipped through these things. But are we equipped completely? Have we reached a place where we no longer need discipleship? The answer is no. No. You will never reach a state in this lifetime where you don't need to be discipled. And I will argue, when we get to glory, we're never going to know everything we need to know about God (laughs) because we're not God. So discipleship in reality is going to continue on and we are going to be continually and constantly learning new things about God and how we can apply that in our lives. I've come through research recently. I brag on Brother Oscar over here. Joined our church 1941. Been a member of our church for 73 years. Junior Crouch joined our church 1940. Been a member of our church 74 years. Some of you have been members of this church for a long time, been Christians for a long time, but nobody has ever been a Christian long enough where they can say, you know what, I've got all the the knowledge I need. I've got all the instruction I need. I need no more discipleship. We all We all need to be in God's Word often as we can. We all need to be learning and and mentoring and following mentors. We all need to continually be challenged to grow because today's churches are not adequately prepared to face the enemy. We are sending people out into the battle ill-equipped. Ill-equipped. 
And that's why we see so many Christians with defeated lifestyles today. Because they've never been taught what it means to follow Jesus and what to expect in this life as a Christian. We are not adequately training and preparing one another. We need intentional discipleship in our church. This past week I received a Facebook message and I've got permission to share this um, from, from Gina Atkinson. Um, and she messaged me about a burden that God had put on her heart to begin a GA's ministry here at the church, Girls in Action. It is a, uh, an intentional uh, missions education program. It's been around in, in Southern Baptist churches for many years. But for a long time, we've not had GAs, girls in action here at our church. And, and Gina said that God has just put this burden on her heart and just won't go away. And so I appreciate uh, her sensitivity to God's Spirit uh, and, and wherewithal to say, if God wants me to do this, I need to do it. And, and she said, I, I'm uh, scared to death, <laughs> but also uh, excited. And because as disciples, to grow, God sometimes leads us out to take a step of faith, to do things we've never done before. And you never feel adequately equipped for it. If you, if you wait for the moment to say, you know what, I feel, I feel ready to do this, you'll never do anything. <laughs> you'll never do anything. But God challenged us to take steps of faith, to do things that we maybe don't feel ready yet to do but if God's called you to do it he's going to equip you to do it and one of the things that she said is we've got a, a wonderful group a godly group of, of young girls in our church who will one day be wonderful women and that struck me and I said you know that's exactly what my message is about Sunday do you mind if I share that and she said uh, go, go right ahead it's about understanding that we have an obligation to prepare not only the younger generation, but younger Christians in general. We have an obligation to prepare them to one day become the next leaders. Because you and I, we will not always be here. This church has been here for 166 years. It might be here another 166 years and and no, none of us will be here, except maybe Malcolm. <laughs> but in reality, we have got to have that mindset is we have got to be passing on the torch. What are we passing on? And we've got to be intentional. Because the way we think sometimes it's just going to happen just by accident and say, well, they'll just learn. They'll figure it out. Why not invest ourselves in one another and train and equip one another and show each other, hey, this is what I've learned. This is what I've picked up in my journey. Sometimes we learn lessons the hard way. And sometimes we have to learn lessons on our own. But why not invest ourselves in training up and equipping young believers? The early church did it. 
And they were a success at reaching the lost and discipling them and growing God's kingdom. We here at Ephesus, we want to see people get saved. Amen? We want to see folks come to know Christ. But I want us to also desire to see people become stronger, more committed followers of Jesus Christ. And that's what discipleship is. And it's more than just a classroom and a workbook and an instructor. It's a way of life. Let's be intentional about discipling other Christians to become more like Christ. Would you join me in prayer?